Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. However, on something else that is uh, equally flummoxing to me anyway, I'm not understanding fully uh, what this Endangered Species Act being tweaked now by the Ford government is all about, uh, where developers and municipalities can pay a fee uh, and... I guess uh, they put the money into a species at risk conservation trust where uh, Mike Schreiner, the head of the Green Party, is basically calling it a pay to kill provision. So that may be one interpretation. But let's hear directly from the environment minister, Rod Phillips, who's joined us on the line here on The Oakley Show to clarify all of these points and more. Mr. Phillips, good to have you back in the program. Good afternoon. Great to be here, John. Good afternoon. All right. First, let's just start with uh, this Endangered Species Act. Uh, why are changes necessary? Like, what will that involve? Sure. Well, 10 years ago, the Endangered Species Act came into effect, John, and it was about protecting species in their habitat. And after 10 years, we uh, decided that it was good to have a look. There had been a lot of things that had worked well. Uh, and, uh, and you know, we have over 200 endangered species. And when we talk about species, we're not just talking about animals. We're talking about fish, birds, lichen, anything that uh, in their natural ecosystem. So um, it was the time to have a look at it to make sure that it was protecting species um, and protecting their habitats, but that also we were being able to balance, as I always talk about, a healthy environment and protecting species with a healthy economy. So it's one of the reasons that we uh, we had a consultation, went for uh, about 45 days starting in January, got a lot of great feedback, and now we've just brought forward um, our suggested uh, changes, and we're consulting on those again. All right, and so it's been positioned by your critics, including Mr. Schreiner with the Green Party, and when I said a pay-to-kill provision, or at the very least, the developers, you know, pay a tithe and then and they're scot-free, uh, disabuse us of that notion, or is that pretty much yeah. how it's going to go? No, it's it's wrong, and uh, it's unfor- this is an unfortunate area where even before our consultations were finished, the environmental activist groups and and you know the the leader of the Green Party among them have been saying that this was what's going to happen, and the fact that it didn't happen hasn't stopped them from uh, from claiming that's uh, that's what we're doing. Of course, we're not. What we are looking at is an approach that's been taken by a number of other jurisdictions, which says when you're looking at certain selected um, species that are at risk, sometimes we want to in addition to protecting those species where they are in the particular location where someone might want to want to build something you might instead of in addition to doing that you might also want to take take uh, some of the fees and some of the costs associated with that and invest it more broadly in protecting the species so one of the examples of that is the butternut tree which is an endangered species um, but where the risk of disease is actually the biggest risk to the species not the fact that five or eight or ten butternut trees in a particular location um, might be affected by a development. So in the past, we would have gone through a long, expensive process. John, in one of the cases, one of my first cases as environment minister, it was over a year, over $100,000 to the developer to say, you know, we're not going to to get to move these five trees, we're going to plant another 50 trees. When the people who know the science on this, and all of our changes are based on, on the best science, would say, let's take that money instead and invest it in fighting disease to make the tree more resilient. So 
for those select species, there will be an option where uh, where it makes sense to take some of those monies in addition to protecting the species on the site, but also spend that money to try to protect the species more broadly, and that could involve research and other things. All right, but in the event of uh, if you use the trees by way of example, uh, is anybody else involved in the consultation, or is this just somebody, uh, the developer, needing to meet certain criteria and away they go? Oh, it's, it's quite extensive. So uh, so the ministry makes the decision finally about what is and isn't acceptable to protect the species. And we not just want to protect species, we want to enhance the species. And so, you know, the the uh, the fund that we have proposed setting up where this money would, would go to then be invested in research or in, 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 you know, in that case, maybe planting trees in another location or, or whatever the, the scientists tell us will be an independent board run by conservationists. So, so there'll be a lot of oversight in terms of what's right to do. But I don't think we we have to be, you know, afraid to look at better ways to do things. Again, the focus is on making sure that we protect species and their habitats, and we're going to do it the best way that we can. And we're going to, as I said, with all of the changes that we've suggested, base it on the best science. And uh, and there's been some changes over 10 years, some suggestions about how to do things better. So I don't think we should be afraid of that. And unfortunately, I don't think we should be surprised when, you know, environmental activists whose entire agenda is really about trying to make sure that there's no development and no growth in terms of uh, of, of an economy, which we also need to have as well, but they're going to fight back by saying whatever they have to say. Again, with Rod Phillips, Environment Minister, on this uh, tweaking of the Endangered Species Act, where there's a fund uh, being established, a Species at Risk Conservation Trust, where developers, municipalities pay into, and uh, you're saying that science and evidence or uh, a more strategic focus is necessary to uh, make it a better process, I guess, for all concerned. In some in some cases, and this will be available for a select uh, number of, of species at risk where it makes sense, and where again the best science and the conservationists who leave this board will say that it makes sense. And you know, my my experience has been so far that you know we by and large do a fairly good job of protecting species in Ontario. But that doesn't mean we can't look at ways to do it better. That doesn't mean that we can't find ways to make it more effective. One of the things as well that we've done is is um, again responding to that. Uh, the scientific uh, evidence, if there is evidence that a species is no longer um, at risk and there's science to do that, we're going to put it back to the scientists and they're going to be able to tell us is that the case or not. Uh, so again, always based on science and what's best for the species, but we do have to be able to balance that uh, that ability to have a healthy economy with protecting an environment. And, and I think we've hit the right balance here. But obviously we're up for consultation, so we'll also we'll hear more before we, uh, we move forward with anything. By the way, what's the difference between an endangered versus a threatened species? Uh, well, there's actually, it's great that you asked, John, there's actually a number of categories of, of species at risk um, going through levels of risk. So some are just introduced and there's an initial risk. And remember, these aren't just uh, just uh, animals. These could be fish. These could be birds. These could be forms of lichen. They could be mussels. All of them are critical, though, to the to the ecosystem. There's only over 30,000 species in Ontario. So species are ranked, again, by the scientists, and they tell us, you know, this is a species that's really at risk and there's, there's danger to it. Um, there's, they might say this is a species that we're concerned about. So there's different gradients and, and of course, different measures are required to protect different species based on the risk. Sometimes, uh, I guess, you get into these uh, practical situations where uh, it's almost like irreconcilable. I know the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, uh, they've called for regulatory burdens to be lifted, saying it's unsustainable that they could, uh, you know, coexist with uh, all of these regulations protecting certain threatened or endangered species. Tell us more about that. 
Well, you know, there was a particular example of a uh, of a bird, the bobolink, that uh, a number of years ago was identified as threatened, and this is one of the case studies that we used where we think we can find a better balance. So. So again, science then, as it did in the future, defined the the risk. But because there was a requirement, a mandatory requirement to protect all of the habitat within 30 days, and because it happened to be happening um, at a time at a time that was very sensitive from a farming community, there was there was chaos, frankly, in terms of what do we do? Because the scientists have said we have to do something, and there was a very short time frame. So we suggested some changes in terms of first of all annual reporting from the scientific community, so that there'll be time, and also giving some flexibility to have some more time to make sure that we understand community impacts, cultural and social impacts and economic impacts. That's the kind of thing that, frankly, our farmers are looking for. Um, It's the kind of thing that I think um, is reasonable because at the end of the day, we need people like farmers to be partners in protecting species. And my experience is they want to. But if if suddenly with, you know, 90 days notice, you're told you can't you can't harvest your hay um, because it may or may not be affecting the breeding of a species that only just recently became at risk. That's the kind of thing that we think the a little bit of flexibility built in will really help and we'll be able to bring everybody along in terms of protecting these important species. Well, it's great to have uh, spoken to you because I wasn't really clear on some of these concepts now and, uh, you know, as it's being presented by uh, some of your critics, but uh, it clarifies a lot of it for me and for us and I appreciate your time. Well, John, this is, you know, and is, there are cases sometimes where, as I said, the, the environmental activist community and the leader of the Green Party is clearly one of them, um, do choose to misrepresent what we're trying to do. And, and I think they do that for political reasons. We're really just trying to make sure that there's that balance and make sure that uh, we can protect species, but we can also protect communities and, and others that, that have to have to coexist. So I think we found a good balance. But again, we're out for another period of consultation and we'll be look forward to hear what we hear from Ontarians about it. Fair enough. Rod, thanks a lot for your time. John, take care. You got it. Rod Phillips, again, Environment Minister. On this question of the Endangered Species Act and this Species at Risk Conservation Trust. All right. uh, I'm sure not everybody's going to be satisfied with some of those answers. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 